we were finishing the last hole, and it was the 18th hole coming back into where the castle is. I hit a rock, and I was like, I haven't hit a rock in 35 other holes. And it turns out it was a mosaic floor, 2,500-year-old Tuscan village underneath my 18th fairway. It's a great shirt, JoJo. Welcome to the EAL show, uh, brought to you by Random Golf Club. <laughs> Winter collection dropping in two days. It looks nice and green. Yeah, it kind of is the, uh, you know, that feeling in the grass kind of towards the end of fall where it gets a darker green color mm. and you just know that those fairways are going to, it's not going to roll out too much when you hit the ball. Yeah. It looks like old pesto. Ooh, like, you know, the top of pesto when yeah. you scrape off the top and then underneath it yeah. gets greener and greener. It's like pesto that might be too tangy. Eric. <laughs> I have like three things I want to talk about so bad. Let's do it. Okay. First of all, Precision Pro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not necessarily one of the things, but it is really. If you're looking to be more precise with your professional endeavors, check out Precision Pro. They're one of our partners of the EAL show since the very beginning. And um, they've got the NX10, which you can personalize. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go to precisionprogolf.com slash Eric to get $20 off your next burger. And you might not think $20 is that much, but when you put into the the wider context of $40 saving a company, I mean, it really kind of changes your perspective on that. $40 saves what company? Our company. I mean, am I going to tell the story or are you going to tell the story? What's the story? We got hacked this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got hacked. Y'all, getting hacked might have been the best thing that happened to me this year. Yeah, you were stoked about it. I loved it. You were excited enough that that it might have made me a little suspicious about your role in the operation. <laughs> you maybe I was the hacker. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't hack our account, but but we did get out of it, which was incredible. We, I, I guess, it's maybe too long of a story, but I think we can tell. I mean, it was genius. Our director of special projects, Landon, Landon in Cabo San Lucas at the time at a golf tournament in Cabo. As he would describe, uh, eight Reposado tequilas deep in the tub, uh, we'd been hacked from a Turkish internet, uh, internet, what am I? (laughs) (laughs) By the Turkish internet. (laughs) Email email address. Yeah. Yeah, they were logged in from Turkey. Yeah. Man. And he went online, found out that he could purchase the email address from the hackers. Yeah. For $40 for a year and a half. Which is crazy. I don't know how he even did that. It made me think that nothing is safe and secure. I mean, we're secure. We're secure now, thanks to two-factor authentication. Don't even don't don't try it. Yeah, okay? just don't fuck around and don't find out. It's basically our new uh, our new approach. Uh, the next bit of news: we got a Black Friday sale coming out, which is very exciting. There's a lot. There's tw- twenty nine new pieces. And the last bit of news is how excited I am for the guests who came on our program today. Very exciting guests. Yeah, how would you how would you define this? character i would say uh he's 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 got a gravelly personality and voice yeah i would say the only thing more gravelly than his personality is his voice Mm -hmm. or perhaps uh his time on a on a what what what, a dozer d9 a d9 dozer i was like what is is that a bulldozer yeah yeah he was very casual he's uncovered uh italian frescoes and tile from alexander the great He's flown with a with a band of brothers, you know. Yeah, this guy, uh, Jimmy Fazio. It was very exciting to have him on the show. I actually hung out with him last night. How was that? At the party. Um, it was it was good. It was good. He was hammered. 
No, he wasn't hammered. No, no, but he uh, he he spoke about Austin Beach Club and he, he gave like an address. So anyway, without further ado, Jimmy Fazio, ladies and gentlemen, architect, design archaeologist, extraordinaire. He, he's basically born into it. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you love that one. So where do we start, Jimmy? I mean, you know, you've had such an interesting life and career when it comes to golf. How do you, how do you, how do you like contain it? What do you, what do you, what do you think about when people are like, what, what do you do? Like, well, it's, it's actually the only job I've ever had in my life. I was kind of born into it. Family started before I was around, but it was something that I, I enjoyed. I liked it. And I liked the fact that, you know, you get to go out there and create something. Um, I started from the bottom, you know, when my father started working for my great uncle, George, George. Yeah. When, when he lost the 1950 U S open to the miracle one iron shot that Ben Hogan hit on 18 and he was leading the tournament with Lloyd Macram already in the clubhouse and Ben Hogan's coming back and he hits the one iron and ties him. And then they go into the playoff. And I think from that point on, when he lost, he's like, I was playing better than all of them. I should have won. And, and I guess they only got $1,500 if they won the U.S. Open anyway. So Whoa. he decided, I think, at that point, from what I was told, to become an architect. Instead well, of, why? Because he lost or because he got because paid Because so he little? just thought it wasn't, you know, something was something was just, I don't know. He, I think it was because of that tournament he should have won. And he's like, you know, debating. He probably was debating it before. I don't know much more about the story than that. But he didn't have any boys. So when he started to be an architect a few years later he took my dad and then my, eventually my uncle and they were working for him but they always started at the top they had people work for him but when i started it was like i'm picking sticks from five years six years old behind a tractor all summer long you know trying to make an allowance or or then graduating to a to a rake raking bunkers and then to a tractor then to a bulldozer then to going in the office and learning how to draft and do all the renderings and stuff and then then eventually running jobs and you know traveling around the world doing what I do but I do know how long it takes to pick sticks on a fairway and I do know how long it takes to uh, use a tractor or a bulldozer so and if something happens I can always jump on those and help out sometimes so you've never had a job outside of well no i mean when i was in high school i had i always did this but i did a couple little other things as a valet or bellman when i was you know like you bag groceries that's the only bag groceries but yeah i I worked at the jupiter beach resort as a valet and a uh, bellman or whatever and i still had my job you know what year was that oh god 1983 must have been an interesting year to be a valet, right? Yeah, it was. Is that like full? I mean, Florida it was. I was actually. Days? I had all my friends working there. We had a blast. I mean, it was <laughs> I had always cash in my pocket because it was you know a cash business and didn't have to pay tax on it. So it was, it was fun for you know a sixteen year old. That's the double benefit. You've got Florida benefit and a cash job. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm curious to know like at what point you know so you start out at five working with the family business, like making golf courses. Yeah. At what point were you like, oh, this could actually be Jimmy's job? I think when I first got on a bulldozer and I got to sculpt it out myself, and I was like, hmm, this is fun, and I kind of picked it up real well, real quick. And um, 
the fact that when I do go out there now, before I listen to other people and my, who, what they told me to do, but you know, when I got in the position very shortly after that where I could create anything I wanted. So I don't have somebody telling me this because when I go out there, sometimes I might not even know what I want yet. And it just, it'll, I just, I make certain maneuvers and then it'll sort of come to me. And then, you know, I sit back and look at it and think and then go out there and I'll make a couple moves and go back and look at it again. And something in my one pile of dirt might completely change my mind of what I want to do out there. And so you're saying that for Visually. you, it's, it's a, it's a 3d environment with wind and air and dirt. Yeah. I don't know about the wind, but yeah, you know, I, I basically, um, I design my golf holes. Like if I'm going to design a green and it's a part three, I design it from the tee because that's where everyone's going to be mentally looking at that green and setting up their visual shot for it. Once you're on the green, you know, it can look all different ways if you're on the right side, left side or whatever. But I set everything up from the position you're going to be hitting it into. So if it's the fairway, I set it up from the tee. And I have to get off my dozer because I'm too high on my dozer. I have to come out at five and a half feet eye level, six feet eye level, and look that way. Because if I'm up 10, 12 feet on a bulldozer, I might see a bunker that I don't see down when I'm below if there's a roll or something hiding it. So, you know, you're talking about sight lines. Let me ask you a question. Like, a lot of architects and players like to, you know, view the the hole from the back tee. Is that is that something architects do? Do they, like, do they like offer you a visual treat from the back tee, or is that a coincidence? Well, you know, the <laughs> – well, you know, it's funny because people look at a scorecard that play the white tees, and they look at – so they want to know how long the course is from the black tees, even though they'll never go back there. Um, but it, the problem – is that most of the 95% of the players are blue and, and up and, and white tees, you know, in the middle and the back two tees are usually the higher, you know, more dramatic looking tees because, you know, I have to have that higher than the tees in front of me or vice, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, usually they got the pretty neat carry that they're going to be carrying a lake or a different angle that's harder, but it looks more dramatic. But 95% of those people never see that tee. Right. So you've designed courses all over the world. What, what is there a story that sticks out to you of just like something where it was like some extreme challenge or, you know, like uh, were you ever one of the, mugged? Um, or One of the, the coolest stories I have is we were doing a course in Rome for a fashion designer, Laura Biagiotti. And we were doing it around this castle. And my brother started it and I was working over in Japan and then, he and I, I would go there once in a while and and help out like on my way to Tokyo. But he he had a girl he liked and he was he was almost finished with the whole thing, you know. And so he's like, Jimmy, we I'm finished with my job in Japan. He goes, we come over here and finish this. I'm going to go back and, and he ended up marrying this girl and she's like the greatest person ever. But um, so I go over there and my superintendent, who's a friend of mine from Lake Nona in Orlando, that I brought there. He didn't pick me up from the airport one day, and, and I hadn't seen him. I don't know where he was at. So I get back to the castle on a Sunday, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to mess with him. So I get on a – no one's out there. No one's on the property at all. I get on an old D9, like 1959 D9. It's, you know, contractors, and it's had a it's cable a bulldozer? plate. Yeah, it's a bulldozer. Okay. And, um, so I was – we were finishing the last hole, and it was the 18th hole coming back into where the castle is. And I – um. 
I was going to make a really steep slope off the 18th tee that was just vertical 30 feet where he had to fly mow it, you know, with a harder, you know, harder maintenance scenario. I was just messing with him. I was going to fix it after that. But when I was doing it, I hit a rock and I was like, I haven't hit a rock in 35 other holes. And it turns out it was a mosaic floor, 2,500 year old Tuscan village underneath my 18th fairway. So, and we got to keep it, you know, we mapped it out. I think they found a few gold coins with like Alexander the Great's face on it. So they dated it to that. And um, there was mosaic floors. We found tombs and all kinds of stuff. But the guy said, he goes, you can, um, he goes, you can literally leave it like this. You can bury it if you want but you just can't break through it with your irrigation or your drainage or anything like that, or you run over it and damage it. So I said, that's perfect. So we put a little lifted dirt over the tea area. So basically, instead of a waste bunker or a lake, we're playing over these ancient ruins that go between the tea and the fairway and then down the left side to a perfectly placed, like little half 90 degree corner wall that was part of a house that had a 90 degree angle right where my dog leg was and then, you know, made it sort of like a bunker. And then we even added some other old ruin stuff. And, you know, you're looking at that plus the castle in the background. So have you added like archaeologists to your resume? Well, we, yeah, no, I, I well, before they got out there, yeah, I, I put the dozer back and I went and got my track hoe and was just kind of digging a little bit here and there just to see it. But then I'm like, you know, I don't want to mess it up. So, um, yeah, we had it mapped out. Uh, you can get, you have to have it mapped out. You can't really do anything till then, but, we paid a group to come in there and mapped it out real quick and dated it, and then we used it uh, to our advantage. Where are the coins, Jimmy? Uh, you know, I I don't want to incriminate myself. No, I didn't find any of the coins. <laughs> he's he's yeah. going to be marking his putt in a week. You're going to look down. <laughs> yeah. That's not Alexander the Great. No, I they found I found some bronze thing, but it was nothing. And they they found it, and they I don't know what they did with it. Yeah. We get this. I know my my superintendent friend had one, but then when he got divorced, it mysteriously disappeared. And she thought, you know, and he was he was not too happy about that. So, uh, and then and then another story that I really want to hear. I mean, you've seen Band of Brothers, right? Absolutely. That's so, where we did a golf course right near there. I know Curry Curry and Tacoa. So I've you know wanted, dude. Not not only do I know about That's this my place. favorite course that we've ever done. What? Yeah. We went over Trump's in, in Rome. I mean, my first tee drops like 155 feet. And, you know, when Lake Hartwell sort of gets cool out and the and the fog comes out, I mean, it's like you're on Mount Olympus. So quick question, Kirky, how many miles up, how many miles down? Um, elevation change? No, like in the show, he's like, it's like it's like eight miles up, eight miles down, right? Oh, oh yeah, that was a long show. I, 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 don't, I don't remember all the details, but I, I did watch it like a few times. I might have missed a few. So we've had, so are you familiar with Adventures in Golf? I saw it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we um, we had on our list to go to Curry. Oh, man. You want to walk Can we go together? Way? Yeah. Okay, let's go together. Dude, I'm so excited about this. And like, I didn't even know this until I started doing my research after, you know, uh, Lauren connected us. Uh -huh. And like I said, I literally have made like- How are you going to run up and down those hills? You're going to- Dude, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I want to play there so. with some uh, – because they still have uh, – it's a boot camp, right? Or is it is a, oh, it's I don't, a base? I don't know what they actually have there. It's an army base, and it was the site of – You're the, talking about the Band of Brothers thing yeah. or, or my club. Well, no. I mean, obviously your club is a golf club, okay. but it's the closest golf club to Curry, yeah, the army yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like the mountain right next to it. Yeah. yeah it'd be really cool to bring some guys from the base over. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So we even have, uh, I have a, I, well, I think my father was partners in a house there, but I think we still have that hookup. It's like four master bedroom suites and game room downstairs and right on the eight done. people. Done. We will pay in gold coins for uh, yeah. this closed location. <laughs> I know could, nothing about that. Jojo, how you doing? I'm, I am, these are great stories, you know? Yeah. I'm, I feel like I got my popcorn out. I mean, the fact that you put your dog leg on the corner of yeah, an ancient ruin. Scenario. I mean, what are the no, chances? So, Jimmy, like when you're when you're like looking at a project when it's completed, how do you separate like the story of creating it with the final product? Do you know what I'm saying? When I well, so some pieces of property tell you exactly what you want to do. I mean, it's there. You know, in Florida where I'm at, it's mostly flatland, and yeah. so you got to. You got to figure something out. Like what my uncle did at Shadow Creek in the middle of a desert. You know, you that's all imagination, you know, and that, you know, that's it's a big deal what he did there and, and, and how, how amazing it was. But, you know, because he was working with nothing. But then you get properties like Pebble Beach or Cypress Point, and it's, you know, you all you got to do is cut the grass. Yeah. You know, get, that's already made. But, um, yeah. So, so okay. So, le- zooming out, we're in Austin now. Um, and you've got, I, I'm going to just say, I don't know if you would agree, but it, you've got a tricky little project on your hands. Um, I don't know how tricky it is. It's pretty, my job's pretty simple. It's just <laughs> trying to figure out what exactly, you know, the, the outcome she wants total, you know, what package, you know, there's Tell a lot of she. options on the table, which way she can go. And, and I like the fact that she's not making a decision right now. And we're sort of just going with one phase at a time. And slowly getting into how it's going to evolve. So tell me about she, I, I, Lauren Carson. I met her this year. She came in and was like, "I'm building a golf course in Austin," and I was like, "Whoa!" And and then just a few weeks ago, I saw the property itself. How did you two meet? Uh, so first of all, Lauren, most motivated person I know. Yeah, and that's one of the main reasons why I, you know, helped her out because in the beginning, I thought they were joking. They, I get a phone call. At, I, I live in Florida. And, you know, the Palm Beach, West Palm, Jupiter area. And I guess they, her and a, a girlfriend of mine from there, who's like a little sister to me, but it's a pretty girl, but she's, um, you know, she was moved, she moved out to Colorado. I haven't seen her in a while. And I get a phone call from her at like 2.33 in the morning, thinking something's wrong, so I answer it. And, and it's her and Lauren. And, you know, they're in Colorado, but they're somewhere fun. And uh, they are like, we want you to do a golf course and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking it's 2.30 in the morning. There's two crazy You guys. answered the phone, my guy. Yeah. Well, I thought it was this girl. You thought maybe she was in town? That was me. I didn't know if she, no, I, no, I knew she was out of town. I just wanted to make sure she was okay. Hey, dude, honestly, if my phone rings at 2.30, like, and I see it, like, I'm answering it. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this is your mission. It could be the opposite of what it. I was doing. But, Curiosity. But so they, they're telling me, well, they want to do this golf course. I have no idea what they're talking about. And, and I don't associate this girl, Alana, with golf at all sure. so you know i was kind of like yeah sure 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 i'll go you know what if you guys do it i'll, I'll help you out and i'm hang on so 2 30 are you drunk at this point oh no i've been sleeping for like hours <laughs> yeah uh, how is your phone not on silent oh i never have my phone on silent but oh, wow. good to know for the fans if don't don't call or text jimmy after what's it what's your bedtime normally um 12 one o'clock nice yeah same but i get 5 30 every morning i'm up I get four and a half, five hours of sleep. You, some people I can do. operate on this. So anyway, Lauren yeah, and Alana call you with some in the middle of the night. You answer. 
You answered the call. The the, I the architect called. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'll help you out. Just pretty much to get off the phone. And then I think a little while later they they called back, and I'm like, sure, you know, not, not really thinking much of the thing. And then she wanted to fly me out. And I'm like, all right, this is getting all right. I guess I'll fly out there. Still not thinking much of it. And then just when I met her, her her motivation and her you know energy was just like she wants to do this. She doesn't give a shit about the money. She doesn't give anything about you know. Um, trying to make a big profit. She wants right. to be, she wants to have a, a neat project that she can put her name on that, you know, that's something. It's like for her kind yeah. of, I mean, not like yeah. only for her, but it's, yeah. it's mean, a dream of know, hers. There's, you know, uh, property values have gone up. She could have sold out and made plenty of money and yeah. she, she doesn't want to do that. But so, you know, when I f- first flew out, the, the, there was a lot of trees out there. So there's three different levels to the property besides a couple big ravines that they have the, the Colorado Riverside that's down low, let's say ground zero. And that goes for maybe from the Colorado River, maybe 50 to 100 feet into the next bank that goes up. That's about a 30, 40, 45 foot bank to the next plateau. And then that goes, and there's 61 acres, so I don't know what the lower level would be, but the upper level, the middle level is the most. And then there is a plateau that's another 50 feet up from that. So we're talking about probably 88 to 90 feet above whatever. And, and that's a probably 10 to 12 acre right. um, plateau. But that's when the I was, top portion where yeah, you're going to drive. The top portion where the houses are, those <clears throat> yeah. old, you know, old houses. So, but when I was first there, the first couple of years, all the, the slopes that came up to the top ridge, they had trees growing up over the horizon line. So when you were on the top, you never saw where you were looking. You didn't realize that you had that plateau that could overlook the whole city lights of, you know, Austin. In fact, the last time that you could probably see Austin from that hill, Austin wasn't there. Whoa. And so that property has been, you know, vacant for a while. There was, I guess, three old ladies that lived there. There's rumors that some of them are buried out there. I don't know. I heard that. But um, either way, you know, I told her, I said, listen, let's clear, keep all your big oaks on the top. Anything down below that cuts my horizon line off from, you know, from sitting back and looking at over that ridge. I don't care if the tree is 100 feet down. If it's coming up in my way, cut it, cut it out of our view. Yeah. And man, everything changed once that happened. So I, um, what, JoJo's seen the property too. We we went over there last week and and like, it's dramatic, man. Like there's, there's not a lot of, you know, Austin is hilly, but there's not a ton of spaces that you go to where you can get like an unobstructed view of the city. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a special we spot. We look city one way, the airport's the other way, in the corner and then Elon Musk property, we see that whole building. From our, Crazy. from our, you know, high part. In a way, it's kind of like Narnia because you really don't <laughs> expect it doesn't it doesn't feel like Austin, but it's right in Austin. And you've, I mean, you're very familiar with golf in Austin, of course. How, how unique of a property is it? Well, you know, just that view of the city, especially you know, I I was working out there at night. Sometimes I'd actually stay out there just to get some photographs of it, and it's like uh, like camping. No, I, I was just on the, you know, I was playing around with the ball. at 2.30 in the morning. No, I, no, I, <laughs> hey, Jimmy, can you I come out here? I have lights on my dozer. Jimmy, the late I, night I like show. To, uh, sometimes I'll, I've worked till midnight yeah. on the bulldozer, just going back and forth. Are there headlights on the bulldozer? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, this the, is not the, the difference is, too, at night, I can back up and get my lights on it, and I can see every shadow of a dip. Oh. So I can kind of tell where the bird bass are, any kind of nothing smooth, I will know it. 
Oh, the lighting helps you grade I smooth. Can, I can see things different in the lighting. If I get the, my lights at the right angle, they're just directly above now. But if I go backwards and I'm just flashing it corner sideways on it, so it'll for those, show my shadows where I have some pit marks and stuff that I got to smooth out or whatever. So, so zooming out, for those listening, we're talking about Austin Beach Club, mm-hmm. which is going to be a it's, – it's a private par three course. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know. I haven't heard of that. Um, there's, I mean, there's some private. Well, it's more of the private club, the social membership in it. This, this, this par three will be a dramatic lit up at night par three. So you're going to be able to come out there and have cocktails and be able to play golf up till midnight. You can have a you know ten o'clock shotgun tournament. Dude, but it'll be lit up everywhere, and you know there'll be. I'm assuming we're going to have little halfway houses every three or four holes with maybe a fire pit and people serving drinks and right. a, maybe a band. Who knows? Right. But we want to go a little bit different than normal yeah. you know, conservative golf. How many holes are you thinking? We're going to do 18 eventually. Okay. We'll probably do it in phases, maybe 9 to 12 at first. Um, and we'd, I'm going to working on the whole land plant thing, but I'd like to be able to multiple use that in different ways like six in six out six, you know back in you know so you don't have to play all nine or you can play all 18 or whatever but you could play six six and six and come in on each one yeah that's or, key you know i've been trying to do that in real golf just sometimes it just takes too much area in that middle area yeah but yeah i think um like how are you seeing like you know wh- when did you design your first course oh god um 88 yeah it? around the late 80s, late 80s 87 something like that. <clears throat> so that's been a big like golf has seen a lot of different things in the in that time it's period evolved, yeah what, what like you know between obviously tiger and then the internet and then covid like everything's changed even photography's changed well, i mean tiger did us a heck of a favor by bringing everybody into golf i mean yeah. he was a phenomenon and it for sure helped our business for sure so so like how are you seeing it impacting the like psychology of the golfer well you know that there's just a lot more people playing and a lot of these you know non-traditional players are really good athletes and they're 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 coming up out of the woodwork and they're doing a heck of a job and i think it's good for golf that just more than you know the rich people get to play but uh I, I think that this, the pros get better. I think the average guy, you know, they have a little more technology, so a little better, but they kind of stay the same. You know, I keep backing tees up. I have to have, before we had three tees on a golf course, now we have seven sets of tees because I, I still have to keep the same distance for the average member, senior member, whatever, and the back guys, I got to have it 75, 7,600 yards. That's 600 yards longer than most courses. The, you know, even a long course at 7,000 yards, it's not even close. Yeah. It's a drive and a wedge and a drive and a nine iron almost every hole. So what's the most expensive part of building a golf course? Well, as far as, well, the, the building of it just depends on where you're at. You know, you could be in the middle of a rock quarry and, or, you know, in rock or if you're in sugar sand. Like in Florida, we could build a golf course quick and because it's sand if it's sugar sand and it rains it doesn't affect me in fact it helps me if i'm in georgia at curry if it rains 
and it's on clay, I got to wait for that to completely dry before I bring my dozer or even make a track out there. Because if I disturb that dirt while it's wet, it won't dry. It'll take longer to dry than it would if I don't disturb it at all. Interesting. And so that can just multiply into months because if, if it takes three days for it to stop raining, it takes two days for it to dry out. If it rains between there, you got to start over again. And are you just sitting in the house waiting? Yeah, people that the contractor is, but it's not about sitting in the house. It's about all that equipment he's got sitting there. Rented. Rented or owned, but still costing them money to just sit there and do nothing. So Whoa. So basically, rain delays can be an expensive. Yeah, That's when you're in that. the right kind of soils or the wrong kind of soils, let's say. What is sugar sand? Sugar sand is just pure sand that, that water will go right through. Right. Like it's, it's harder if it's really dry out. Sugar sand is kind of hard to even mold because it'll just dry out and fall apart. So it actually helps if it rains in the sugar sand. Like we did Trump's course in West Palm pure sugar sand and it right. could rain all day long and it would actually help us out if it were to do that in georgia or anywhere with clay or whatever you'd be shut down for months yeah well so did you want to go to as far as the price of what a course costs it could be involved with the soil you know how big of a project is you know yeah we build a course in four months or we could take us two years yeah let's go to a quick break and uh Come back and... Yeah, we'll be right back, everybody. All right, folks. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life does not come with a user manual that I have found anyway. So uh, when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. BetterHelp can help, go figure, with this by navigating any of life's challenges to make you feel more sure. And whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Um, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and help you learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called life. Oh, called you. <laughs> I guess they're the same. Uh, so anyway, therapy's played a huge part in my journey. Have you ever gone to therapy, Jojo? Yeah, I definitely did when I was in college a little yeah? bit. Yeah. What happened? Why did I stop? Did you need a user manual? Were you, were you <laughs> they stopped? fixed it. It was all <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you know, learning to ask for help, and then you know, really, really taking some time to ask the big questions. Yeah, I think it can only ever help. Yeah, um, I have a lot of big questions. Uh, big question I have for you is: Are you going to go to BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash Anders A N D E R S? If you do, you're going to get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp. Uh, the cool thing is that there's no waiting rooms, no traffic. There is literally no traffic. Maybe your bandwidth, but come on. So anyway, go to betterhelp.com slash Anders to get 10% off your first month and get started on the right track. Figure that out. I've got four letters for you. <laughs> Actually, no, I've got three letters for you. Yeah, what are they? But there are four places. O and there's two O's and an uh, N and an I. Uni. Uni. I'm going to read the copy and I'm going to fuck this up. Ready? In a good way. Uh, there's nothing like a hot, fresh pizza with the cheese. <laughs> Let me start over. Keep this. There's nothing like a hot, fresh pizza when the cheese is still gooey. That's why I'm such a fan of Uni Pizza Ovens. Oh, I thought I was going to read a poem. Oh, you thought it was going to be like a haiku <laughs> Go to uh, go to uni.com, O-O-N-I.com. There's no discount code, but uh, you're going to love it. I'll tell you one quick story, though. I went over to the Uni HQ here in Austin, and they fucking unied us a ribeye. What? They cooked a ribeye in like 60 seconds, and it was the best thing I'd ever had. It was like rare in the middle and black on the outside. 
that's how to do it. Um, so anyway, thanks for Uni for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Check over, go to www.ooni.com. You ever wanted to look fucking tactical? <laughs> I have, actually. I always like to look tactical. I'm so happy that we got these guys in our life. This is the uh, Ridge Wallet and Key Case. It allows you to always have your cash and cards in your wallet. Um, the wallets have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Uh, they have, there's 30 colors and including uh, carbon fiber which is pretty techy, and they also have burnt titanium. The durable material, which each wallet comes with, means it has a lifetime warranty. It's pretty sick. Um, the cool thing about the Ridge wallet is that you're going to get 40% off through December 22nd if you use the code EALSHOW at ridge.com. Ridge.com slash EALSHOW. Before December 22nd, head over to ridge.com to get 40% off on the wallet. That means that they're basically putting credit cards in it for you. So. How many new projects are out there for you? How do you, cause it's like you, cause it's for you. It's like, if you do a project, it's like, it's your life for how a year or two. It's my life. And my, well, you know, we have more than one project sometimes going on, but it's my reputation. So I, a lot of the courses, most of them to get a new course is, is a little unusual now because it's so saturated. Yeah. The problem is, is you can buy a course for pennies on the dollar sometimes because, you know, they can't afford to maintain it. The biggest problem with any course is the maintenance on it. Right. It's not building it. It's to take care of it every year. That never changes. In fact, it only goes up. And depending on the commodities of your fertilizers or pesticides or whatever else it is, you know, and, you know, you've got 12, 15 people taking care of 18 holes that, you know, superintendents make between 150 and 200 grand and everyone else, it's, it's expensive to take care of a course. How often do you interact with the superintendent when you're done with the a project? Lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. More so than the pro. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And what's the, what, what is like, what's the problems that they encounter that you help them solve? Mostly drainage right. issues or, you know, sometimes there's a grass issue. Um, I, you know, I'm not a, an agronomy or a qualified superintendent, but I have agronomy that, you know, a guy that works for us, that's sort of a consultant, that we would bring in and help the superintendent uh, if he's having a grass problem. Most of the problems we deal with are either um, a, a redesign of the hole, if they want to add a bunker or take a bunker out. A lot of times it's just too hard for them, especially in Florida. You know, you got a lot of older members. So I, I deal with those things, but most of the time it's a drainage issue right. with the superintendent. Yeah, I remember I, I, I did get the chance to meet Pete Dye, um, and, and he told me that a golf course needs three things to be successful. Drainage, drainage, yeah, right. And drainage. Well, um, it's a big deal because you, you know, if you, it's not only can you not play on it, you can't ride your cart on it. They can't cut the grass on it. Right. You know, they can't. They'll just make a mess. And if it's not draining right, it becomes a big issue. And you know, superintendent's job's on the line if it's not done right. How often are you able to predict the drainage? Like, like how often are you wrong? We, you know, about... it, we can. We know. You know, obviously, it's all about gravity and slopes. So. We know where the drainage should go, but sometimes the soil could be so bad in areas. It could be spotty. So it could be fine over here, but there's different soil over here. And even though we have the slope drainage into a drain that's, you know, gravity, you know, usually, you know, more than 0.1%, 0.2%, you know, of a slope, it should get in there. But there's times where the soil is just so bad or it gets caught up in there that then we might have to go in and do some kind of a French drain, which we... A French drain? French drain is something like, um, it's a 
perforated pipe. So instead of a four-inch solid pipe with a catch basin that comes up and a hole that drops right into it, we'll take an underground pipe and we line that whole trench. Instead of filling it back with dirt, we fill it with a pea gravel. And the pipe itself has holes all in it. So the water goes in from underneath the ground, not just on top of it. Oh, wow. It'll so it's like suck a Q-tip. It and draw it in there. And usually we do it in a herringbone kind of scenario. So if the water slopes coming down the hill, we herringbone it out about every 12, 15 feet. And the water will eventually hit that stone and drop in and eventually find into that pipe. Right. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. So like, wait, what's the difference with the soil? So some soil is more like thick and like clay and non-porous? Some of it's about fines. You know, it could be different particle sizes. And then when you start to layer different, when you move dirt, sometimes you'll put a finer thing on top of something and and then they start to make layers and then it, or, or it could be an organic, you know, layer of something that, you know, just backs it up. So are you able to play golf and turn off your designing hat or your, your construction not hat? Really, no, I'm always thinking about, well, I'm not thinking about the drainage unless there is a problem, but I'm thinking about what else I could have done on that hole. Well, what if you're playing a course that's not yours? Do you get like oh, hella critical? So. Even more so. What do you hate to see when you're playing a course that's not yours? You no, know, what I hate that I've actually had to do is we had a piece of property up in like the Pine Barrens where Pine Valley is. Yeah. It's probably the same ridge, maybe 50 miles south. And it was this Pine Valley looking piece of property. And it was for a Pulte home, old folks home. And I had to grass the whole thing and just make it, you know, no imagination. They didn't want any sand. And I'm like, man, you got like, you're looking at Pine Valley here and I got to grass this whole thing and make it a, you know, a really lame par three. And that's what they wanted. And it was, it was killing me. You might not have this off the top of your head. And obviously don't tell us the course. What's the ugliest hole of golf <laughs> you've ever laid eyes on? You've ever been playing and said, wow. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Is there a perfect um, well, hole? Well, you know, I, I did say, I'm not going to say it was ugly. I just thought it was weird. There was a green. It was done a while ago, and it was a funnel. I mean, just the whole thing funneled in. I mean, if you hit it on the green, most likely you're going to get really close to the cup. Right. Because the drainage was in the middle of the green where the pin was, and... It was pretty, you know, probably a 1% slope all going in at least, maybe sometimes more. But that's not like a punch bowl green. It was something. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was like a, it was like a punch bowl green, and it was, but it was pretty dramatic. It was like, man, if I could hit it anywhere in that circle, I'm pretty much going to get a hole in one. <laughs> uh, what course is that? Yeah, we don't have a problem with that <laughs> design. Is there a perfect hole? Is there a hole that you look at and you're just like, man, they I did mean, not. There's, there's a lot of them. But it's amazing, like, when I look at a hole, I can, like – there's a golf course that a friend of mine wanted me to go look at to redo some stuff up in Westchester, New York. And I got, and it was a, it was a amateur architect that did it and owned it. And I looked at that course and I was like, there's not a thing I would change. And I've oh. never said that. I was like, Jesus. What course is that? I forgot the name of it. I wish, I wish when you I remember, could, I wish me, I could to give know. the guy kudos because he did a good job. And there's not many times, even my own courses, I can always think of something I would have rather done or wish I could do again. But, that was like, wow, this is this is a perfect course. But it was kind of like a Shinnecock-looking thing. Okay. I had a question that I've been thinking about ever since you mentioned those ruins earlier. They've just been in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, before we started the show, you were talking to Eric and I about, you know, some of those old courses 70, 80 years ago, yeah. you know, Riviera. 100 and, years ago, yeah. And even, you, you know, you can go back much, much farther. 
um, when you get a new project and you're working, not in a restoration or renovation, but when you're looking at a new sandbox, are you thinking about people playing in 100 years? Um, you know, not, I don't, yeah, not really. I, I, I look at what people are doing and what they can and can't do. And technology has changed that. So now I'm always doing the same thing for the average player. But now I got to think about what am I going to do to challenge the pro? And that always changes because these guys just keep getting better and better. And this technology is, you know, before they, you know, Ben Hogan was hitting at 250, 260, was a pretty, pretty decent drive. When Jack Nicholas came in at 300, that was huge. Now they're hitting at 350 on average, and Shambo's out there hitting at 400 and some yards, where it's really taken all the shot value out of what the original architect wanted to have in there. Right. For example, number 13 at Augusta National. Pete, I was going over this with me before he passed. He was upset about the technology. And he said, you know, like, and he gave me an example, 13 at Augusta National was always a long drive positioned on the left side of the fairway. And then a long second shot that had to carry Ray's Creek and stop it before it went in the bunkers in the back. And coming in hot off of a four iron or a two iron or a three wood, that's a, stra a strategy, you know, or shot value that that architect wanted. If they hit it so much further and they're hitting a seven iron into that green, they're going to drop it on a dime and there is no shot value that the original architect wanted to have. And that's happened on hundreds of holes on, you know, some of these courses that we've held the Ryder Cups and U.S. Opens on for the last 120 years. They're just outdated. So are you part of the rollback alliance? No, I don't really. I'm, I'm, I just have to keep building what my, usually it's the, the owner that we talk about and if we both jive on what we want to do if, if it's something that i think is out of my character i would i wouldn't take the job yeah but you know i sort of if, if it's going to be a tournament course which most of them aren't most of mines are the opposite way where they don't care about the back tees they only care about the you know the members tees and their average age is 75 all right so so paint me a picture of like <clears throat> you know, money doesn't matter. You got full creativity. Where do you really want to build a golf course? Like in the world, is there a place where you're just like, man, like that would be crazy. Maybe there's no people there, but what doesn't matter? Well, so I'm a, I'm more of a Pine Valley guy than I am Augusta National guy. Now you have Cypress Point and Pebble Beach and there's no comparing them with anything else. I mean, they're just, they are what they are. But when, you know, if you look at, if, if, Augusta National is a little different. I mean, if you've been out there and you look down that 10th hole, it, the TV does not even do it justice at all. It's it's mind-boggling amazing. But if you were to build Augusta National today, somebody did it right off the bat, and they didn't say, you know, you would get laughed out of the golf world to have those kind of slopes and those percentages of slopes on the greens and, you know, the way it's designed, mostly in the green areas. But you would get laughed out of the golf world. It's just not fair. It's not anything, but it's part of Augusta. It's part of history, and it's famous for it. Um, but I, I, I would rather prefer the more natural Pine Valley look. I mean, yeah. Pine Valley's been number one for a long time for a reason, and it's not on the ocean, and it's not, you know, doesn't have that much of a dramatic contour change in the big, big trees like Augusta does. But Pine Valley has, you know, that, that kind of natural, you know, God did it, not, you know, man-made perfectly straight lines or symmetrical lines or whatever. It's more of a natural, I've been there forever kind of thing. Yeah. And if you look at a green on Pine Valley, 
there's no shapes to most of them. They're just big areas, and they might be six bumps you go over. You can have five different breaks in a in a putt that's thirty feet. That but, sounds stressful. And yeah, and then you know you you walk off the green, and in four steps there's a tee. Can't do that in many places because Pine Valley members are pretty good golfers. Yeah. Like, it, but as far as like geographic, like Norway, Hawaii, like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, is there some type of geographic thing where you're just like, man, I want to see it at the base of the fjords or like. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, Black I, Sands Beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do Blue you give a shit about that or no? There, yeah. Uh, well, when I see that, uh, any picture I see. Now, sometimes you can get too much elevation, but. You know, uh, and you have to be able to flatten an area out. Now, if you're going to do a par three, you can almost do that anywhere. But because, you know, you can go from tee to green. You don't need a fairway. But if I'm going to do any par fours and I've got, and, you know, obviously I like the contours because I think they can add a lot of um, dramatic views. But can you get it out there? You know, I have to go 300 yards straight and have it 250 feet wide and if i'm on a mountainside that's sometimes hard to pull off yeah. but there's there's anytime i pass by a spot like right in jupiter in uh hope sound there's our jonathan dickinson park and it's on a ridge where jupiter hills is another course that my my uncle george when we all moved down from philadelphia in 72 i think they started in 69 building jupiter hills and i think it was my uncle Bob Hope and some other guy, William Elliott, that were the three founding members, and it was just like Pine Valley. I mean, the same sand ridge, all pure white natural sand, and it's inside the state park. And the state, you know, you pass Jupiter Hills, but this whole state park is the same way for like 10 miles, or five, a few miles anyway. And I don't ever pass that just thinking of all the tees and greens I could put just looking at it from the highway. But What's the hardest hole you've ever designed you think so we we did a job in um canawan it was um saint vincent islands in canawan right by mystique where i don't know and it's way out there it's a if i left miami on a commercial jet it takes me three hours to get to barbados and then i got to take another you know commuter flight down for another 45 minutes but i think i had 800 foot of elevation change on that hole on the golf course and one hole drops it's 303 yard par three. It drops 280 feet or something like that. And I have this waterfall. There was a creek, but we moved 12, 15 foot boulders in there. And we just have this waterfall coming and it goes right underneath the green and comes out the other side. Whoa. And when you're, you know, you think, well, I'm, I'm 250 feet up, you know, it's 300 yards, but, and, but listen, if the wind's going the other way or whatever, it's, it's a, it's a, the, the green looks like a quarter. That's how low it, I mean, how far away it is. And it's like, how much, but I do have the whole right side of a bank. So if you just hit anywhere on there, you know, I have a pitch where it'll kind of get on the green. But Jimmy, then, I feel like your courses could make an entire season of adventures in golf. Yeah. Like we've got the one in Rome. We've got uh, this one here. Band of Brothers. In, in, Band of Brothers. Where's it? Kiwana? The, the one you were talking, to, no, Yeah, well, the Curry one. But then where's the one you were just talking about? Um, in Canawan, St. Vincent Islands. Yeah, St. Vincent Islands. I've never even heard of it. About this. 50, 60, 100 miles south of Barbados. It's where they film Pirates of the Caribbean. Chill. It's way out there. So chill. Jimmy just goes wherever those gold coins are. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, Jimmy, dude, like, let's do, let's make some films together, dude. 
Are you, when are you going I'm back to Kanawha? not the one running down the fairway there, I can tell you that. But when are you going back to Kanawha? Um, you know, we finished it. I was, I've been hoping they would redo something there. Um, I think Trump, actually, we got him involved after we'd already, we did nine holes there first, and then we redid a new nine that wasn't there on the top of the mountain. Yeah. I remember um, Microsoft's 25 top guys came in there when I was finishing it, and um, or we were redoing something up there on the top, and Paul Allen's boat came like two weeks before, and there was their security making mock helicopter runs of where these guys are going to be. And um, I was up on the top of the mountain, and I was sketching out a hole, and I had like six guys that were working, fixing the bunker on the right side of the green. And a ball hits my cart, and he's like, the guy walks up, he's like, hey, my name's Bill Gates. And, and he didn't even care about the ball. He's like, what in the world? Like, he loved this back nine. I think he skipped all of his meetings and just played golf. I loved it. And I think he brought, I was there like even a week later after he was already off island. And I think he flew his wife back to play the back nine that was up on the hill like that. I was like, well, that's a pretty good compliment. Hold on. So he said, he said, my name is Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like good, he didn't, he didn't even say like cart and I get, he was just like being polite but I'm like you know obviously everyone knows who yeah. he is yeah I think that's polite but like don't you think you say hey my name is Bill you know yeah, what I mean right. like what do you well, say hey he my might, name is he, Bill he, he, he probably did say Bill yeah. But, yeah. but you were in your head you are like that's fucking Bill Gates yeah like if you did I mean, if you do that association test, if you just said the word "bill," Island's only sixteen hundred acres, so and that's the resort's only you know few hundred. So all right, well I tell you what, I'm gonna work on this. This is fucking interesting. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, thank you for your time, man. No worries. Man. Um, I'm looking forward to getting on the road together. This is gonna yeah. be fun. Wait till you see some of these holes we're gonna do at this um, beach club. Yeah, we can. We I don't want to make that in there too. I don't want too many people to see them because right. I want I want people. I'll, I mean, you know. well, let's what, come out. What on a Friday. cool show! You, can you think about the show like? It's the show is about creating the Austin Beach Club, and in between you go to these other courses. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so the show is like all about the creation of yeah, it, yeah. and then you're like, yeah. well, you're talking about it. Well, this this is actually my inspiration. It's because of this time I worked there. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we're uh, what uh, what um, oh, what the fuck was I going to say? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. Oh oh, well, are you going to be at the Austin Beach Club on Friday? Yep. Okay, cool. We'll come out. We'll yeah. bring some cameras. We'll come out. Show you guys how to do the dozer. Oh. You ready for that? Oh. I don't think we can keep this in, but I, I'm a little scared of what you might find if you start taking yeah, it. No, this is, uh, <laughs> you'll only find Sandy Loam but, um, at this place. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. Cool. It's all closed cab. You got your air conditioner, your heater, your stereo. Oh, everything's in control of your hands. What's your song of choice? Um, I like all kinds of 80s love songs. Yeah? I, I like, Jimmy Buffett? I, I love Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I listen. Depends on my mood, and sometimes if I remember my dad yelling at me, we were in Japan, and he's like, "What the hell are you listening?" Because I really did some bunkers around this green that looked just so dramatic, and I thought it was great. But it was when I first started shaping it; it was a little out, you know, crazy. And he's like, "What are you listening to? Guns and Roses? You better put on some Jimmy Buffett and calm that shit down." <laughs> so I'm like, you know, "Have yeah, you been I to Butler?" Like and I'm like, "Yeah." What's that? Have you been to Butler? Yeah, I have. Jimmy yeah. Buffett is involved with that. Is he really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show, Jimmy. No worries. Yeah.